Thank you for being here this evening. Hey, David, can I get my timer reset so that I'm paying attention to time? Um, this is the uh, 610 service. If you've never been with us, uh, we meet on the third Sundays of every month. And uh, uh, this comes out of Matthew 610. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that is our prayer. And so we love these times because we have a little bit more time uh, to worship and to pray and to seek the Lord uh, and to get into his word. And so uh, last month, we uh, kind of shifted gears a little bit and it kind of felt called that we were supposed to enter into uh, some uh, teaching around this idea of rest and ceasing and Sabbath. And I really felt like the Lord had just spoke to me that as the church moves forward closer to when Jesus will return, this idea of rest is going to be very significant. And that those who learn how to rest in him uh, will really learn how to overcome in this world, uh, but really stand out from this world. And many of us would get this that, you know, this world is just, it is going faster and faster. And the stuff that is coming through technology and all, you know, social media, all these things, the ways we're so intertwined, which is really good, but also adds to the chaos and a lot of times to the distraction of life. And I really believe that for us uh, to really stand and be a strong witness, we've got to figure out this rest piece. And if we can do that, uh, I think we're going to be highly, highly effective. But I'll be honest, in church culture, rest is not norm. Church culture is sometimes go, 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 go. And so what does it look like for us to figure out as the people of God to rest? And so this is, you know, I wrote this down. You know, what would it look like for our lives to be fully submitted to God in such a way that we're always at rest in our spirits? Where we abide so deeply with Christ that we never have to give in to anxiety, to fear, to unforgiveness, to annoyance, to shame, to unholy anger, just peace and joy. I'm like, I'll sign up for that. And yet there is something that is always fighting for that. So I want to do just a little bit of a review from last month in case you weren't here because we talked about rest. And this idea of rest came out of Isaiah 30, uh, 15. You're, you can turn there, but it's really short. I'm going to read it out loud. Isaiah 30, 15 is right in the middle of Israel's in this major struggle. They're, it's crazy enough. We're going to talk about Egypt and the Israelites. And Israel, and this is a long, long time uh, from when they had left Egypt, and now they want want to return to Egypt. They're looking to go to them for leadership and all kinds of stuff. And the Lord comes to them and says, what's going on here? And right in the middle of all this that's going on, uh, this is what the prophet Isaiah says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So last week we focused, or excuse me, last month we focused on rest. And so if you can give me that first slide, David, you know, what does it look like to rest? And, you know, this is really a small snippet of what it looks like. You know, it's looking at ceasing, communing, allowing, and learning. So we talked about ceasing from work and striving. You know, that has to do with Sabbath keeping and ceasing from different things. We're in the season of Lent where we give up things. We cease from something or doing something. Uh, we learn how to commune more deeply with Jesus, but all the time. 
So it's not like we turn a switch on and off that when we go to church or in our Bible, we're communing with him. We actually learn how to commune with God all the time. It allows, we allow rest, allows us for submission of our thoughts and emotions. And I've been really on this kick of understanding how our minds are scientifically wired and how so much of how we think and process life has a lot to do with how we emote things and how we see things and how we interact. And rest allows for me to step into submission, say, Lord, I want to take every thought captive, make it obedient unto you. And then the last thing is we want to learn how to be still and wait and to trust. And that's what we're going to lean into this evening. So next slide. You know, rest is not religious and is not rules to follow. Uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home uh, from a very early age. And, you know, kind of I always knew, you know, Sundays were a Sabbath. Uh, but I always knew there was kind of just some things that were always off limits. You know, we always joke in Pella, like you never mow your yard on Sundays, all these things. But one thing that we see in Scripture, rest is not about religion and religiosity. It is not about rules that are made to be followed. Religion equals shame, fear, and distrust. And rest actually equals freedom, peace, and trust. Next slide. So why rest? One is it increases our intimacy with Jesus. It helps me to find myself. Uh, it will keep us spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically healthy. It increases trust and peace and it grows the fruit of the spirit. It makes you attractive to unbelievers, to others. And I really believe it is vital for sustaining the kingdom. And then the next one of why rest you know, we need rest because it invites us into intimacy with God. And from this place, he can reveal who he is and who we are in him. Rest allows the important work of the Holy Spirit to form our identity and our character. So we've got to figure this out. We've got to figure out Sabbath rhythms. Uh, we've got to figure out daily rhythms. But like I said in the beginning, rest is not just this thing we do. It actually becomes this state within our spirit where I can be at rest in my spirit in the midst of all that's going around. If you, the songs that we sung tonight, you could start to pick up on some themes that in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the struggle, we can rely on God's goodness. We can step into his rest and we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to live in fear. Okay? So if you would uh, turn with me to uh, Exodus 14. Exodus 14. And this is the famous story of the Israelites. You know, we're getting close to Easter, and I don't know if it's still on, but man, every Easter, who watched the Ten Commandments on, you know, like, it's like four hours long. Holy smokes, but it's awesome. I loved it. And uh, this beautiful story of God pulling his people out of Egypt uh, with the help of Moses. And so we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 14, and we're going to lean into this idea of quietness and trust. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord." And so the Israelites did this. And now I want to jump up to verse 13. So 
Uh, excuse me. No, let's keep going. We're going to stay in five. Verse five. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and he took his army with them. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were... Uh, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped by the sea near Pi-Haroth, opposite of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, what was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight with you and for you, you need only be still. And so, you know, the, you know we sang the song, you know, that our enemies are, are surrounding us, and Israel is right in the midst of this. Their backs are up against the Red Sea. They see this mighty army coming against them, and I would probably get a little panicky too. You know, like that's just probably a good natural response because like things look a little bit dire in this situation. And in this moment, Moses speaks these words from the Lord. He says, the Lord says, I am going to fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. And I know that when I get into situations, my tendency is like, okay, Lord, what do I got to do? How do I got to work? What do I got to get figured out? And there are moments for that. But from the place of rest, from the place of stillness in my spirit, I learn what I'm supposed to do with the enemy. Now I'll say this, I don't believe this is like some kind of like system. Uh, this isn't, uh, you know, because we look through scripture and there are ways that the Lord does things very differently. Like there are times that he sends armies out, there are times that he doesn't. The Lord works in very mysterious ways. So this is, you know, a situation where the Israelites, their backs are against the wall and the Israelites, excuse me, the Egyptians are coming upon them and they're freaking out just a little bit. And this is what I know to be true is adversity will always reveal who we really are and who we trust. Adversity will always reveal who we are and who is it that we really trust. The Israelites are in some adversity right now. But the question is, who is it that they're going to trust? Now, I want to back up a little bit, and I want to go back to chapter 13, verse 17. And I wanted to read this for chapter 14 section first, and I want to read something here that I feel like is very interesting that I think will unlock some things for us. Chapter 13, verse 17. So when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. That's a key piece though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. 
So let's see. God pulls the people out. There's actually a shorter path to where they need to get to. And the Lord says, you know what? We're not going to go down that path. It's also interesting that it says the Israelites came out armed for battle. And this is what I take from that. Is that I can have on armor that doesn't make me a warrior. So what is the Israelites' identity? Their identity is that of a slave. So I can be a slave on the inside and put on the armor and the Lord knows that if he takes me in this direction, as soon as the army approaches, as the Philistines would have approached, he knows that they would return to their identity. Their identity as slaves. And they would have bolted right back for Egypt. Because we will always return to what we know. What is safe. And can I say that isn't always God's best for us. It isn't always God's best for us. But he has the best in mind for us. So God says, instead of, so where you are at in your identity as slaves, you are not warriors. You're not ready to go to battle. So guess what? I'm not going to send you that way even though it's shorter. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to back you up against the sea that you can't pass and I'm going to have an enemy come bearing down on you and I'm going to show you my glory. And what he's doing is he's slowly starting to shift their identity. You got to remember, the Israelites have been enslaved for 400 years. That's what they've known. Day and night, day after day after day, 400 years of slavery. They know of Yahweh because through tradition it had been passed down upon them, but they know very little about this God. And now, you know, God shows up and he starts to do some things. And I think it's easy for us to read this story and be like, well, if I would have seen all that stuff, I would have been like, oh, let's go, God. You know, like, I'm not, no. Because that's not what they know. They know nothing of this God. And so they automatically, they turn back into who they really are. And God says, no, I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to reveal who I am. But in that, you've got to rest. You've got to still yourself. And you've got to be quiet and let me fight your battle. Let me fight your battle. Uh, so this is what I believe. That if we, you know, if you won't be able to rest, if we can't rest and be quiet and trust God in the storm, in the battle, excuse me, you won't be able to be at rest, be quiet and trust God in the storm or the battle if you haven't figured out how to do it in the calm. And this is why pressing into this, I think, is so significant. You know, and some of us are in battles. We're in stuff. Life, life naturally brings us stuff. But I think as we keep moving forward, the stuff is going to get harder. The stuff is going to get harder against the church. And we have to understand that our identity, if it does not flow from who Jesus says we are, we will revert back to identities that will just suck the life out of us and kill us. And so this is where rest comes into play. In quietness and in trust is your strength. That's what the Lord is telling the Israelites in this piece. He's saying, trust me, allow yourselves to be quiet and see the victory that I'm going I'm to bring you. And I, I really, you know, I don't know, God knows all things, but I think the Lord knew the Israelites are going to be in the desert for 40 years. Like, you know, he's kind of all-knowing. I don't think that's what he hoped they would choose, 
But this is what the Lord found out really fast. The Israelites were pretty whiny. Pretty whiny, a lot of complaining. And it was because that was their identity. They knew nothing other than slavery. And sometimes what we expect is that, man, those Israelites should have figured out in about two weeks what had been put in them for 400 years. And for some of us, we have been so ingrained with our past and what has been said over us, what we have believed that we need to step into quietness and rest and trust that the Lord can deliver us from things that have been spoken over us, things that the enemy has lied to us about, truths that we have believed or lies that we believe that just aren't true. And this is where rest is so important that if we can't slow down our own souls, our own spirits, our minds, our emotions and just receive from the Lord, he can never come in and really fix our identities. And around here, you'll hear us talk about identity a ton. Like we believe, like so much of our problems have to do with what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about God. We get those two things figured out and man, life actually can be pretty good. It can be hard, but like we live in this place of rest because we know who we are in him. We know what he says about us and we know who he is. And I had, you know, I, it was funny that I had asked, I asked Alan um, to like early, like Monday or Tuesday, I'm like, hey, I want you to play the, uh, this is how you fight my battles. And, you know, it's a popular chorus. Uh, very few people actually sing the verses. Um, and I'd heard the verses, but I really thought Alan was just going to sing the chorus and bridge. Like, that's what I wanted. I didn't tell him. And he, he, and he was saying, like, hey, have you ever read those verses? You know, they're like right out of Psalm 23. And I'm like, well, I guess I hadn't paid attention. And I love that idea of Psalm 23. And this is what the Lord does in this passage with Moses and the Israelites. He sets up a table before his enemies. And he says, come and feast. So in the middle of the Red Sea, in the middle of the Egyptians, the Lord says, here's my table. Come and eat. Come and rest. And eat in the presence of your enemies. And that's what the Lord invites us into. What could it look like if we would learn how to Sabbath well, how to cease from things, how to rest and how to really have our spirits at rest. And I'll be honest, this is not easy. The idea of trust is not easy because it does. It causes me to have to trust the Lord. And I remember a time when we were uh, in student ministries and uh, Jen Parker, who was our leader, she had just come on staff and she's like, hey, um, we're, we're going to go up to, uh, uh, by Cedar Falls and we're going to do this special team building exercise, you know, and this is like me and Marty Schmidt. Were you a part of this, Steph? And Steph and Sarah. And if you know me and Marty's personalities, uh, we don't like this kind of stuff. And so, like, we know, and so we're trying to be of good spirit, but, like, we get up to this, it's one of those camps, you know, where you do rope climb things and you do trust falls. And just let me tell you, I don't like trust falls. <laughs> like, I think it's stupid, you know, honestly. Like, like really, all of a sudden, my trust is going to be in you because you catch me. Like, that's not how trust works. It's not, like, trust works when I spend time with people in their presence and I learn who they are. I learn how they see me and how they think about me and I learn how they think. And that's, what, that's how trust is built with the Lord. And for the Israelites, you know how much trust has been built with them? Just a couple weeks. So, like, I kind of cut them a little bit of slack, you know, because we kind of beat down the Israelites. Like, you guys are idiots. Like, no, you're just living out of your identity. You're living out of what you know. 
And this is what I think is true, is if, we, if our identity is not firmly established in Christ, the Lord can do really grand and glorious things and we'll dismiss them in a second. Until we learn to quiet ourselves and trust his work in our lives. And so what we want to do is um, we're going to just create some space for rest. And looking at our time here, um, yeah, let's do this. Graham Cook has a really great video, and he talks a ton about rest, and he uses this phrase that rest is a weapon. And he talks about this idea of entering into rest. And this is a six-minute clip that he just, I think, unpacks it well. Like, well, what does it mean to rest? What does it mean to be with the Lord? Because uh, I don't want to give you abstract ideas. I want to give you a couple concrete things of, like, how do we learn just to sit and be with the Lord? So let's play this video, and then we're going to step into some resting ourselves. Hi, my name is Graham Cook, and I'd like to talk to you for a few moments about soaking. Um, but just before we do that, let me read you something from the Bible. This is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said these words, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am lowly and meek in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Resting is the act of quietly and confidently allowing yourself to be in the presence of God. Resting is an absence of work or worry, fear, or even performance. Resting empowers you to learn from Jesus how to be with God in all areas of life. Resting is about opening yourself up to who God is for you and receiving all that he wants you to have in your life and circumstances. I think a lot of people have stale devotional experiences because they're striving to enter into a place that God has already given. Resting in God is a critical part of receiving. Life in the Spirit really is about being still and letting God take the initiative. You know, if you think of it this way, the way that we come into salvation is the way that that salvation is sustained. So you didn't wake up one morning and think, you know what, it's a sunny day, I think I'll get saved today. It just didn't happen like that. You and Maybe you weren't even looking for God and suddenly he invades your world because he always takes the initiative. So God gives to us the Holy Spirit. He comes to us in the form of the Holy Spirit actually to teach us how to receive. Salvation is a gift. Resting is a gift. It's one that Jesus gives to you by his presence. Soaking is one of the ways that we learn how to rest. We learn how to receive, we learn how to respond to who God is for us. Soaking allows you to switch off your soul and sit quietly in the inner man of your spirit. Your soul is your mind, your emotions and your will. When your mind and your emotions are pressured, 
uh, and you're feeling overwhelmed, your will defaults to a negative pretty much all the time. Resting removes that pressure and opens you up to the person of God. Soaking is one of the forms of learning how to rest. It brings peace to a troubled mind and it makes our heart, it makes our inner man accessible to the joyful nature of God. And in that place of rest and peace, we can hear God more clearly. When we soak, we are receiving ministry and we are learning deep truth. We have encounters with God that move us into a habitational experience with Him. We become refreshed, we become energized in our relationship, in our faith, in our favor. We grow into a place of overcoming. Soaking, therefore, is restful, it's relaxing, it's intentional coming into God's presence, knowing that you will receive something from His heart. So in the soaking materials that I've developed, they were designed to radically upgrade our devotional experiences. So imagine sitting in God's presence, being able to hear His voice clearly, feeling His heart for you, and seeing yourself from His perspective. When we soak, we rest in a comfortable position, we close our eyes, and we just listen. We put on one of our soaking CDs and listen to what God is saying to you. If you have a particular track that you like, then keep on repeating it until it becomes part of who you are. Just let it wash over you constantly. Soaking is like marinating in the spirit until you are soaked through with a new flavor, a new favor in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can absorb it into your heart, gently start to see what God is saying to you. And in that place, just simply learn how to be with God and let the Holy Spirit wash over you and fill you. So this idea of rest and soaking is just the idea of getting into God's presence. And, and I'll say this because some people think, man, this sounds really new agey. Let me explain the difference between new age and Christianity. New age says empty yourself of everything so that there's nothing there. Well, when we meditate and soak in, in Christianity, we say is like, I'm going to empty myself of everything that is not of you, Jesus, so that you can come and fill me. And so that's what he's inviting us into, is like create moments where you're just with the Lord. We're allowing his presence to come and rest upon your spirit and your heart. Where we don't strive, we don't try to learn, we don't try to do anything. And so we're going to do this for about 10 to 12 minutes. We're going to put on some music and this is how we're going to end our evening. And so... Um, I think important to this is kind of like physical posturing. Like these aren't the most comfortable chairs, so sorry about that. Um, but if you need to move around the room or just reposition yourself, you need to lay on the ground, we are great with that. Uh, physically posturing yourself so that you can feel relaxed. And this is, I think, if you don't know how to do this, the simple thing to do is to say, I think tonight the question would be, Lord, how do you see me? Just simply asking, Lord, how do you see me? And what the Lord will do is he'll speak to us in a lot of different ways. For some of you, he's gonna give you a picture in your mind. 
you're gonna see images and you're gonna see things. For some of you, he's gonna come through your really conscious thoughts and he's gonna speak into your thoughts. For some, he's gonna bring a scripture verse to mind. The Lord speaks to us in a lot of different ways. But I'm gonna ask us to rest. But this is what I'm also gonna ask us to do is not to open your Bibles and to not to journal. Like to just be still and let God wash over you. And just ask that simple question, Lord, how do you see me this evening? Would you just speak? And in this, you know, for some of us, this is, this is new. You know, sometimes our, our heads get in the way of this. You know, like, don't get worked up about that. You know, just, just keep saying, Lord, how do you see me? How do you see me tonight? So, Nick, why don't you start the music, and then I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to spend about 12 minutes wrapping up our evening with this. So God, we already know that your presence is here because we're two or more gathered. You are here in our midst. And I wholeheartedly know that you have a word for every person. And so we want to let go of anything that would hinder us from hearing and receiving what you have for us. And we ask that you would speak to the depths of our spirits, that you would speak to us how you see us what are you saying over us this evening and in the name of Jesus I take thought I take captive the thoughts that would go astray that would distract us we bind those in the name of Jesus and we give them to you Jesus and we just simply rest in you